everyone. Welcome back to Should I Call a Therapist? This is Jane Margaret. The Oprah Book Club started in 1996. I actually did research for this episode. I'm so proud of myself. I have a little notepad and dates and timelines. So cute. Anyway, the Oprah Book Club started in 1996. And immediately, well, going back a smidge, I have as a latchkey kid, both of my parents worked, and so as a latchkey kid, I came home from school and had to find something to entertain myself. In the early years, it was Three's Company and MASH, and um, I'm trying to remember what else came on, like that three, we'd walk, we lived real close to the elementary school, so I'd walk home from school, and then I'd get home maybe like 3.30, and scrounge around trying to figure out if there was a snack. We didn't have like actual snack food in our house, so you had to scrounge around to figure that part out. But always hungry, of course. And then sometimes I'd even eat the, this is disgusting, sometimes because I had a real sweet tooth, I would eat the iced tea granules out of the, they, they came in a container, almost like a coffee container, the iced tea did, and it was just sweet enough that it tasted so good. Anyway, that's disgusting. We watched a lot of afternoon television, and then in the 80s, late 80s, came Oprah, and that was at 4 o'clock in our market, and to watch Oprah was amazing. She would have so many cool topics. It related, I mean, even as a kid, I knew what she was talking about. Maybe it went over my head. I have no idea, but I felt like I really understood what she was saying. And in those early days of Oprah, I mean, in the early days of Oprah, it was a real talk show. So Oprah would have um, guests on and they would have real life problems and they would be talking to her. And as you can already gather, I am obsessed with people and patterns and personalities and kind of what makes human, like what, what makes the interpersonal workings of people tick. I'm very um, interested in that. Between that and real estate, those are my two passions. So um, with Oprah, in the early years, she would have people on, just regular people would be her guests. And I remember, um, I mean, I can give you one topic right now where the, the girl did not get along with her mother-in-law, which, I mean, that's a typical problem and that's kind of normal, but it was fascinating because then the audience would chime in on what they thought. It, it is exactly the way I feel about this podcast. And, and quite honestly, when I was little, I wanted to be a talk show host. I didn't, I didn't, um, care if I was Oprah or not. I kind of wanted to be Sally, Jesse, Raphael. <laughs> None of y'all will know who that is, but <laughs> I think I wanted to be Sally Jesse Raphael. She had red glasses. <laughs> anyway, I, and Phil Donahue, there were so many talk shows. And they would just have regular pedestrian topics. It wasn't about celebrities. It wasn't about Hollywood or anything like that. It was regular people airing their grievances on television. And then the audience would chime in. And there would either, like in Oprah's case, Oprah would walk, go, get herself around the audience with the microphone. And what, this is how she would say, what say you? <laughs> she would always, um, I don't know if that's more 
like a, a more correct way to um, do the construction of the sentence. I have no idea. But anyway, that's what Oprah would do. And so she would say, what say you? <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, she would walk around through the um, audience with the microphone and then they would chime in and, and like actually say, their opinion you know, like they would give their opinion of the situation that presented on stage and it was fascinating i loved it loved it anyway so that was a um they called that appointment television every day for we didn't have tivo we didn't have um uh the thing that records nowadays like we didn't have any of the that i mean we later we got vcrs and we could record oprah that was pretty cool you could tape oprah set the recording tape it on videotape and then go back when you were available to watch it. But in the beginning, it was appointment television. And if you missed an episode, you missed an episode. And that's just how it worked. None of this on-demand stuff. So anyway, um, in the 90s, in 1996, Oprah introduced the Oprah Book Club. And this served two functions. Number one, it told me what to read. Because apparently Oprah and I had the exact same taste in books. So it told me what to read and it changed the lives almost overnight of these authors. So authors, she would pick a book and I mean, she would pick any book. I really genuinely believe in the beginning it was not about marketing. I could be completely naive about that, but I really think in the very beginning it was not about marketing and no one came to her with these books. I think they um, were... Um, Sorry for the interruption. Normally I don't stop and normally I tape these in one take, but um, no editing or anything like that. To be very honest, I don't know how to edit, but um, we have a sick, sick dog and my husband was looking for him. So he was trying to get in the door and I have the door locked. <laughs> so I got distracted with that. Anyway, so going back. So with the Oprah book club, overnight these authors' lives would be completely changed. And they would, um, they would uh, immediately be New York Times bestsellers. Anything Oprah told us to do, we all did it. So if she said read this book, everyone, I mean, my mother would buy all the books. She never, I, don't, I mean, she probably read some of them, but I mean, she was very much about getting the book because um, after a while, then it, you wouldn't even be able to, find it. So if she was walking through Target or whatever and would see the book, then she would buy it because it was so fun. And and I think Oprah's taste in books was probably the same as my mother's too. So um, they were so fun. And sometimes it would be um, just a tale. Sometimes it would be a troubled soul. I always liked reading about troubled souls and that kind of thing, which brings us to 2005. In 2005, the selection was A Million Little Pieces by James Fry. And that book, the cover was light blue and it was a hand. And the hand, so the, the background of the cover was light blue. Then there was a hand on the front and the hand was covered in those little um, sprinkles, the balls. So those little ball sprinkles were covering the hand. So it was very colorful and interesting, but you also knew, 
oh, this is going to be good. It's a troubled soul. So James Fry wrote a memoir, and the book was about, I mean, it, the book begins, the very first page of the book begins with him on a flight, a commercial airline flight. He finds himself in the back row. He wakes up. He has no idea how he got on the flight, and he is, um, for lack of a better term, and you'll notice, like, I have an explicit rating for the podcast, but I really don't cuss, but I have to say he was beat to shit. He really was. It was crazy. He has no, his two front teeth were knocked out and he's bloody mess and he's in the back of this plane. Now, years ago, I was a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines and I remember someone like this. Now, it wasn't James Fry, but I remember someone like this on the plane and they literally woke up and they're like, how did I get here? Where am I? What am I doing? So I, too, I actually remember people like this, but also um, to read about this guy who had been through hard drugs so much drinking and he was young I think he I don't have any of this right but let's say he was 26 when he is taking place in the or writing the book and he had been drinking and hard drugging for 10 years so and I think it was actually 23 and so he had been drinking and hard drugging since 13 I'm pretty sure that's right so anyway either way that's a uh all the formative years of taking on this terrible experience. So she changes his life instantly by making him the book club selection. I don't know how the process worked to contact his publicist and get these things going. I don't know if they're just plucked out of um, nowhere and then all of a sudden the fame and fortune hits them. I, I don't know how it works, but for him, his went in a tragic um, his, his went in a really, really bad spot. And all these years later, since 2005, this has touched me so much because I read the book immediately. And I, I even think right now I could reread it because it was so amazing. If he had a podcast, I would absolutely follow it. James Fry, F-R-E-Y. Um, because, but I think he wouldn't because of this experience. So what happened was she tells us to read the book. Then you get about a month to read the book before it's discussed. And then she brings the author. This was the typical pattern for her selecting, making a book club selection. So then you read the book for the month. Then she has the person, the author on the book, uh, of the book on the show. And then you discuss it at, you know, through the hour of the show. What happened with James Fry was... Everyone's reading the book. They can't believe it. And slowly people start coming forward and saying, um, I, I know him. And it did not happen that way. And the next person, I know him. And no, it didn't happen that way. And all these people start coming forward. And again, I don't know the time frame. I'm sorry. But the timeline of was he on the show and then all this came out or did this come out? I think that's what happened. Okay. The book is announced. You read the book. Then he's on the show. And when they make a public appearance, first of all, when he came on the Oprah show, he was completely polished and um, a handsome, good-looking guy. And it's like, how did you... And he was raised from an affluent family and um, maybe you know middle class to affluent. So he knew how to present himself. And he did an excellent job. He was well-spoken. And he... he, he um, 
made a really nice impression on television, which, you know, that isn't always easy. So he's on and everyone loved him and everyone loved the story. Then slowly people start coming out and saying, no, that isn't how the story went. Well, how is it called a memoir if this isn't even accurate? And I think, I think there's two parts to this. A memoir is not an autobiography. An autobiography is true, factual, historical information. A memoir is someone's, first of all, they're still alive. So the person is still alive and they're recounting their past. Now, where I got very sensitive to this guy and where I felt for him, and because Oprah ended up turning on him, and it, it broke my heart because my perception of this is, and I've since, uh, to prepare for this episode today, I did some more reading and I heard so much more about it. And I think he did use some creative liberties to make the stories more interesting. But my first knee-jerk reaction was I felt so sorry for him because he um, was doing the best he could with what he had. If you're drinking and drugging from the age of 13 to the age of 23, then you don't exactly remember what happened. Remember when I told you on page one he woke up on the airplane just beat up and messed up and he had no idea how he was even on the airplane or where he was going? That's what I'm saying. So you almost have to piece back the facts a little bit inaccurately because you don't have the accurate knowledge. So... I guess then the debate would be, well, then don't write the book. If you don't know the facts and if you're going to misquote things or misrepresent, then maybe don't write the book. I loved the book and I found it helpful. I don't, I don't know if it's actually helpful or not. I have no idea. I, I am not a drinker to that level that I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm a fun time person, but I'm not that kind of drinker, and I'm not a drugger whatsoever. I've never done drugs in my life. So I can't relate to having my teeth knocked out. I can't relate to being on an airplane and not knowing how I got there. But dark people and dark stories have always been attractive to me. And I, again, love the patterns. I love hearing how it happened. I love hearing um, how they pulled themselves out. A redemption story is amazing to me very fascinated by that so anyway um all of this just just wild but then oprah felt pressure from the public because as i described oprah allowed the public to be another character on her show so the public's opinion was the base of the show they were the audience and they drove not only did they drive her numbers and her popularity but also they drove the content and in this case they drove her reaction so then she i i wish i had like this part up because i can't exactly remember but i think what happened was she brought him back either she brought him back i think she asked him to come back to do a follow-up of hey hold it how come some of this is lies how come some of this is um fabrication or uh, your your t 
taking creative liberties in some of these stories. How come? And she was going to question him. And I think he refused to go. And I think that was the last... Well, actually, he did a follow-up book, but I think he had already done the follow-up book. So um, that wasn't... You know, he'd already made the, the deal with the publisher. So he did a follow-up book of someone he met in rehab, my friend Leonard. It was a really good book. Not the same juice as the first one, but it was a great book. Um, but it was... It was fascinating to see the rise and fall of this guy right in front of our eyes. My heart just broke for him because he, it, it was a true redemption story. Of He went to rehab. He did his time. He had to go um, serve time for crimes he committed. He met people in jail. Um, he met people in rehab jail. I think he ended up doing like a rehab jail function. And... Um, Leonard in the follow-up book was one of the characters that he met in rehab. I, mean, I won't go into that, but um, the rise and fall of someone right before our eyes is a is just an, a a wild thing to observe. It's a, it's a wild thing to observe because you're. You're, you're rooting for someone and then to say, oh wait, this isn't what we thought. And now, now we have this today in 2022, we have this with celebrity build up these people so big and they're this and that. And then all of a sudden, no, that person is full of misconduct. You wouldn't believe. What about like Ellen? Ellen, um, turns out was not the bright, cheerful person that we thought she was. She wouldn't even let people look her in the eye. And then, I mean, all of the Me Too, all of the things, and you think, oh my gosh. But his rise and fall was, James Fry's rise and fall from Oprah was so fast. And we were all just rallied behind him and then so quickly dumped him. And I just wasn't on board to dump him. And I, I mean, I'm no one, and it, it didn't matter what I thought, but I mean, I would tell anybody I could no, 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 don't forget, he did the best he could with what he had. And I, for me, that's the common theme uh, in any of life is we do, I mean, that's how my sister and I always say how we were raised. We did the best we could with what we had. I think we did pretty great. And there's so many stories of people doing pretty great that nowadays it's so um, in vogue to tear people down and to find fault and to um, figure out, no, they're not what they said. I, I think all of us are now such cynics because we have been let down uh, with the internet and the access to news and to information. We now are let down hourly by people that are close to us, by celebrities, by news, news people, by politicians. I mean, we're let down every day. So now we're just looking for the next uh, shoe to fall because we're so um, prepared to, or I guess we're preparing ourselves to feel that. And um, I don't know, I, I guess I'd like to explore that a little bit and think, how could we maybe loosen up? Maybe we should start being a little more gracious and a little more open and light. And I think that's how I felt for James Fry that day. I thought, shouldn't we just be gracious to this guy? That story I read, Regardless if it was completely, it could be a hundred percent a novel, then that, great, 
call it a novel. I don't care. I was entertained by that story. Not in a, I, was, I was entertained by the darkness of that story and by the path that he took and his poor family um, hurting so many people so incredibly close to him. And the rise and fall and rise and fall and just people putting their necks out for him. I, I was fascinated by it. So anyway, um, I just wanted to talk about that because First of all, I almost want to research. It would be amazing if we could go, <laughs> all of us get that book and start reading it again. Because, um, oh, it was, if you missed it the first time, please go get it. A Million Little Pieces by James Fry. I'm going to reread it now because it's just amazing. I'll probably listen to an audio version. But great story. And if you're into dark, if you're into, um, personal help or, or any of those things. Um, it, it is a true tale. And it's fun to think about Oprah. It's fun to think about that. And I really wanted to be a talk show host. And, you know, if we can get this podcast to take off, that would be um, a real joy to me because I feel like this is the 2022 version of the talk show. And I've said it before on other episodes, but to build a community and to elaborate on what Oprah had built all those years ago of the, the audience being a character in the show. Those are the kind of podcasts I listen to. I listen to Chris Frangiola. Uh, he has a podcast called cover to cover and it's, it's crowd sharing. I mean, he tells the stories and he's telling stories from either his childhood or from whatever, but he's also, um, bringing in the crowd. And uh, I mean, even one time on his Facebook page, I had an opinion and the next show, he brought it up. He said there was a lady that had an opinion, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, happens all the time. But I will let y'all go for now. And thanks for chatting with me. I love it. I will talk to y'all soon. Don't forget to rate five stars and subscribe. I don't want you to miss. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. Chat soon.